Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name is Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. Except for last week when we didn't do an episode. <laughs> do you know what? We literally just said as well, if we don't record an episode, it means the laptop's gone. But I'm pleased to report the laptop still works. Yeah. You text me with plenty of time saying, oh, we'll have to rearrange this week. You know, something's going on life. You've got in the way. And I didn't read that message till I was outside your ass on Sunday. <laughs> it's <laughs> odd, isn't it? The, the, the odds of releasing an episode where we said, if we ever just disappeared, it's because the laptop's broken and, and, and we're done. all our software is on this laptop. And then the week after we forgot to tell people we're not doing an episode. So uh, if if you were one of those people, uh, you know, concerned, sorry, we should have put a note out there to say that we weren't doing one. I mean, it was the King's Coronation, it wasn't was, it, yeah, James? Yeah, we had to get ready. That's what we were doing. We were we're guests of honour. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt that's going to come up at some point. Now we we just took a week off. I think it's good to reset the batteries every now and again. Life gets in the way. We're busy people. We are busy. Yeah. We had all them things to yeah, do. You, mate, um, you had so many things. I had that thing. Yeah. How did that go? It, well, <laughs> it went twice as good as I thought it was going to Oh, that's go. all right then. Good. <laughs> what about uh, your thing? I know you were worried about it. Yeah. Doctor says, don't worry. Um, <laughs> it'll grow back. <laughs> Count them. Don't rub them. <laughs> Um, yeah, this week though, that does give us the opportunity to reminisce over films seen over a prolonged period. So I've got films, I've got TV series, it's going to be chock-a-block, filled to the brim yeah. of um, entertainment uh, reviews for you to dissect, maybe give some recommendations, maybe give you some films to steer clear of. That's good. As always, we are on the hunt to find the greatest movies of all time where we put in our vault, the Sorry You Must See vault in there. It's a collection of the greatest movies of all time, from Star Wars to Jurassic Park to Arrival. All sorts Ooh, of stuff. Oh, I've thought about Arrival in many a moon. I love that film. I love that film as well. I love the fact it's language. It's not a big explosion at the end. It's it's time-travelling language. <laughs> yeah, it goes there, doesn't it? <laughs> it does go It goes there. there at the end. But I love that. You know, the the um, Amy Adams' performance in that is, yes. is phenomenal. The score, that Max Richter score throughout that whole film oh, is brilliant. Is it is a Villeneuve film, isn't it? It is, He's Villeneuve yeah. all over. He's Villeneuve everywhere. <laughs> I'll have a slice of Villeneuve, please. <laughs> have it. Um, this week, though, just to give you a bit of flavour, we're going to talk about Jordan Peele's Nope. We're going to talk about a 2021 drama called The Forgiven. Uh, we've also seen Idris Elba, not in cats this time, but what? fighting a big cat, which is uh, a lion in the movie Beast. And then I've seen some TV shows. So I've seen Daisy Jones and The Six. Also going to just catch up very briefly on last year's uh, sensation, or maybe earlier this year's sensation, Wednesday, which we finally oh, got round to watching. Oh, there you go. I've seen some of them, so I can contribute a little bit. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thank well, it's like, you for coming. Actually, it's at your house this week. If it sounds yeah. slightly different as well, we're at James's house in so your you, kitchen. You've got a kitchen, yeah. <laughs> We've got a kitchen. That's the surprising thing. We've got a kitchen, right? <laughs> Have you seen anything you want to add? Or I've seen a lot of old films, and we've spoken about them in the past, but it's something I will talk about. I'm going to start off. I'm going to start off. I'm a, everyone knows this. I'm a, I'm a changed man, mate. I used to hate mm. reality TV, hate game shows. Mm. Glow Up's got me, mate. It has Glow got up. me. New, series five has just started. Just finished the first three series. Very angry about Nikki in series one. Okay. No matter what Esther says, and I know she can hear this, <laughs> she's wrong. Nikki was in season one. It was it was a sham. And I'm going to go in it again. She cheated at the end. The judges stepped in and then somehow gave a second. I'm not happy about it. Second series, Ophelia, very good, very talented. Mm. Spoilers for that. And then in the third one, Esther and I had opposing people. She had Dolly. I had Sophie. Had it, don't spoil it, actually. I'm not going to spoil it, mate. You should get into it. It was great. It was a great battle of the wits. Some uh, There's something really weird. You watch a reality TV show and it's about nobody sleeping with nobodies. It's horrible. At least this actually celebrates a talent. 
So, but yeah, so if someone doesn't know what Glow Up is. So it's basically, uh, they're MUAs, makeup artists, and they basically get given a challenge each week and the, the two lowest fight off in a face-off. And then at the end, they like crown. Gladita- gladitorial. Yeah, gladitorial, <laughs> mate. Lions enter, it's just But there, there is an actual time, like, they'll get people, they'll do different challenges, so they'll go to a movie studio. So in one of the series, they did a Harry Potter, and they had to create Harry Potter characters. It was brilliant. Mm. But I'm going to say this now, the judging system doesn't work, because I'm going back to series one, I'm going back, Mateus very talented, had worked with prosthetics before. Yeah. He got put in the final two, right, because they thought it would be better. They did, had no problem with it. They said, oh, it's very good. Mm. We thought it'd be better, though, because this is it. They said, there's crap prosthetics out there, but they put him in the final two. The challenge in the face-off was, do whatever you want. He played it safe. And one of the judges said, like, you should have just smeared, like, paint all over this lady's face. And I'm just like, have a word. <laughs> she should have just assaulted this woman. With makeup, it's, it's the, the judges' sister, mate. Val and Dom, they don't know what they're on about. However, very talented people. I love Glow Up. Mm. I'm a Glow Up fan. Series 5 has just started. I'm just saying, maybe you should watch it. I'd flipping love Glow Up. I mean, I haven't seen you this animated since we talked about the new Guy Ritchie movie. <laughs> mate. <laughs> Which is good. People agreed with me, though. When people were getting to us, they were like, yeah, it's bollocks, isn't it? <laughs> um, but I do, I am a sucker for a reality TV show like that because I don't choose them, but because I don't press play, I feel less guilty for being in the room when they're on and going, well, I didn't put it on. Yeah, but, it's but, not my but, fault. You know, yeah. Just, yeah, I probably could read a book, but, I'm gonna, <laughs> but I am going to watch but The I'm Floor not. is Lava <laughs> or whatever it is. That always comes back to, is it? When we were recording around yours, came out, just like I'd, between episodes, watched an episode of The Floor is Lava, the height of television. And I must admit, the, the Americans do know how to create a TV show that is, you know, popcorn, yes. saccharine filled, just hits the endorphins for 30 minutes while they throw in some advertising. But do you know what I mean? It is like, it, they are crafty. They know what they're doing. They know what that winning formula is. Yeah. Um, you know, to churn out so many of these shows where the formula is that exact same thing, but is, is engaging. The winning, the winning formula ever is when the, they sat down and meet, it's like, right, we, we need some ideas for Netflix. What are we going to do? Um, shall we do an in-depth drama, you know, like they're doing on HBO? You know, we've got True Detective Series 4 coming out. Mm. We're, we're rampant, mate. We want this. Netflix, they just go, we haven't really got a budget of that. Is it cake or is it not? It's just the pinnacle of, I don't give a shit. It's just like, I don't care. People will watch it. I fucking will. Yeah. And you're like, That's what? next. It's like, you're like, oh, fuck. I'm not watching this. How ridiculous. 10 minutes later, it's cake. It well, fucking won't cake, was it? What, what I love about it is that they, you don't know. And then they cut it. Mm. But but they're so realistic. I would be nervous. I'd be like, are you, is it sure? He's definitely not a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely not baby. Because I don't want to stab I mean, this. That's up the alley. Is, is <laughs> Is this, he doesn't know. Yeah, he's like, is it cake? Is, is that a rabbit? I mean, I know it's blinking, <laughs> but it could be a blinking cake. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think uh, that's actually a good one. Like the cake ones are always fun. Like the uh, nailed it's a funny one. Like they are. I've seen a few of them, which is always entertaining. I, but, I uh, do think reality TV shows going all these game shows type thing. They're going through a renaissance because. Have you seen the one where they forge weapons and then they test them? That sounds amazing. It is, it's, it's great. But these people, like we're not medieval forges now. So it'd be like, Gary, what do you, Gary? Oh, in my, in my, for work, I'm a project coordinator. What do you do in your spare time? I oh, forge weapons. <laughs> and they're like, stab this meat. <laughs> it's so, like, I love it. It's like Robot Wars, isn't it? I'd love like, robots. Like, what do you do? I'm a kid. Yeah. Oh, I've got to create this weapon of mass destruction. That's it. They're like, get him on a list. Because <laughs> look at the flamethrower. <laughs> I'm that thing. Well, my favourite thing about Robot Wars is when Hypnodisc came out and they were like, oh, we, we done fucked up. Yeah. It's like, 
outlawed the robot that won. I, th- I think it's a Lancelot, was it? That one? Was that one, one they the- then turned into one of the, like, I the think house he, robots. He was the house robot, yeah. yeah. And he was badass and he could flip and stab and poke and do everything. But you know, I think- I was Matilda man. Yeah, Matilda see, all the way, mate. I never liked the flippers as well. Yeah. I thought I mean, it's, a, it's a cop it's out. It's cheap. You cop out see, flipping about the arena. You want to see your buzzsaw. You want to see something. Get yeah. You want to see, because it's nothing better than Craig David. No, not Craig David. The uh, actor Craig from- Charles. Craig Charles. Ripping apart a child as he cries. Yeah. It's like, oh, he did this with his dad. He spent years doing it. Some professional engineers <laughs> from a university have come and just pissed all over his dreams. I know, but I, I, I was always good because I was never a robot that was like had a self-destruct button. Yes, like knew it was losing. <laughs> just so fucking predator. I'd blinking lights. Great child's like auto-destruct, mate. He's done. But I see gladiators is coming back. It's no. It is, yeah. What? Yeah. I'll watch the shit out of it. I, I, yeah, because I, I know someone I used to work with was on Gladiators, was a contestant, one of my old managers. Yeah. And uh, she won, no, she she actually, she didn't win. Oh. But then she was invited back because she was like a, a real close runner-up or something. Yeah, I remember. They yeah. brought so many back. They didn't win their round, but scored high points. Yes. So it would make a really good final. Usually with an injury as well. Because I remember the final, there was these two people and I really want one of them to win. And he injured himself. So they so brought back the yeah. semi-finalist. I was like, nah. And I think that's what happened with her because she ended up winning it. And then she became a physio for Gladiators. So it was cool. like the next season, she was behind the scenes. And then she went to Australia because it was the same company that did the uh, the UK one, like went around doing different ones. And yeah, so she was a physio over there for a while as well. <laughs> My favourite Gladiator games, the one that you think I could do pretty well in is the one, you, you stood on two platforms, you got to knock each other off. Not against Shadow, mate. I'm putting money on Shadow any day. Well, the thing was, they always overreached. So all you'd have to do is step back half an inch and you'd won because the person <laughs> would know. fall over. I think Shadow, I think he was unbeaten, wasn't he, in the males. But then actually the the actual gladiator shadow actually has been arrested recently for abducting someone. <laughs> you can't win them all. <laughs> I would have had money on Wolf. <laughs> if, if it was anyone, definitely Wolf. Yeah. There you go. Cobra. Don't remember, remember Jet. First Jet, crush was Jet. Jet taught me uh, when in another life when I was a, a personal trainer. That's amazing. I did a uh, power plate course and Ooh. Jet was the instructor. Oh, there you go. See, that was with we just 90s childhood Britain. Everyone. I know. And next week, Noel Edmonds, because <laughs> you they're sure? coming for you, Noel Edmonds. All right. <laughs> all, all, had. all these presenters that are now like hiding. <laughs> um, I have watched a film this week. Okay. I, I, I've watched some films, but they're all kind of like, I'm getting back in touch with certain things for no reason. Oh, I, I didn't know it was, it was on Netflix. Oh, there you go. Yes. You spoke a few weeks ago about, it might have been a few months ago, but Spiral. Yeah, yeah, the Book of Saw. They've gone back to like the Saw franchise to see what happens. I was I was actually quite interested, basically, on the premise that you gave. It was a bit different. You followed a similar path. What's it about? The story is, within 20 minutes, you you know who the killer is. Yeah, yeah. It, you, but, but that's never what the Saw franchise has been about. You're always like, how? What's the twist? You sit there asking, what's the twist? What's happening? I didn't think it was that bad. I thought Chris Rock actually did a really good job in a different role, serious role. He was okay. And he produced it, so it was a bit and of a passion project it, as yeah. well, which is always weird because I don't know anything about Chris Rock other than, like, you know, he's, being got on slapped the, by yeah, funny. he's on the end of Will Smith's palm and he's a very funny bloke. And obviously, uh, you know, Lethal Weapon 4, let's not forget. But, <laughs> Never um, forget. But 
you know, so I, I'm assuming from that he's a big fan of Saw and wanted to make a spin-off. Yeah, but apparently when I was doing a bit of research, he was at a party and they got talking and he wanted to try something in a different, he didn't want to do comedy, he wanted to try something. I thought it was really good, but I also really liked Samuel Jackson as the father. The story's told back through flashbacks. Yeah. And I, it was really weird because I prefer the flashbacks. Like the whole idea. And I thought it was weird watching the film about why people do certain things or mm. why, you know, Chris Rock is the only decent cop. Yeah. The other cops don't like him. So they don't, you know, he gets shot or stabbed at one point and they don't react to him. But Samuel L. Jackson's the police chief and he, you know, he he's irate. He's, you know, he's like, what's going on? But the problem is, is it's not a sore film. It could have mm. been called any, it could have been called Brittle. <laughs> it, it literally has no, it seems like they just wanted to keep the Saw franchise and it's nothing like it was. However, I'd never seen Jigsaw either. Mm. which is the final Saw film until they, they are bringing out another Saw film. I don't think I saw Jigsaw. I don't think. So I saw Jigsaw. And again, the problem with that is, so you're supposed to think that Tobin Bell is back as Jigsaw and he's in the film. You will work out the Saw franchise is trying to be clever. But again, it fails in really basic storytelling because why are we spending so much time with one person? It, the story, they, they seem to have lost the mystery of surprise. But then I was thinking about the Saw franchise in general and how I think Jigsaw is one of the worst villains of all time. And I was watching that, I was thinking, oh, the first one is really cool. He's in the room with them. In the second one, he doesn't care that his work is being destroyed because he has an accomplice. And then he has another accomplice. Then he has another accomplice. Well, what were you supposed really to do? He really should have gone to space by the He should have gone to space. It's the only way to make sense. But everyone says it. Oh, he gives them a choice. You know, they die, but that's because they're not willing to, you know, sacrifice something. But I've watched <laughs> like it. Like an arm or a fucking spleen. Yeah, exactly. But what I don't understand is in the first one, right, they, the guy starts to death. The other person is like, well, where was his? He was going to get shot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where's, where's his? And the guy's like, oh, your key is in the bath. But but he put the key in there when he was unconscious. So he went down there. It's not his fault. Mm. What's his lesson? Don't be asleep. <laughs> Never sleep. However, if you watch the Saw franchise, apparently one of the apprentices threw it in there because she doesn't care about fair and equal. When you watch the film, there are several times where people definitely die and they don't have any choice. Yeah. There's no, there's no choice. Mm. He's not like, he's not like, oh, it's your own decision. You're fucking wrong, Jigsaw. You're a dickhead and a bit useless. Great engineer. Should have done gladiators or something. Robot Wars. There I, you go. <laughs> do Robot Wars. I do like the idea, though, of a load of Saw uh, survivors doing like a rehab video. You know, it's like they're sat on a park bench. It's really sunny. <laughs> it's he's, like, he's got no Lost arm. an arm. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's like, I uh, I didn't appreciate life <laughs> until, what's his name in it? Um, John. John. It's John, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, until John Kramer came along. Yeah, and, thank uh, you, John. <laughs> and who needs this film, really? <laughs> so he does it to three different people in the in the Saw franchises, and they all change their mind. They're like, oh, actually, f- no, four or five. And it changes how they think of life. So I remember thinking, if I was a psychiatrist, mm. and I saw this guy's quite successful rate of transference, or, or you know, they change their lives, right? I'd be like, you know what? I might chop his leg off. Yeah. <laughs> I might remove his knees. It's, it's <laughs> like, seemed to work for fucking everyone else. <laughs> He's crazy, but God damn it, he gets <laughs> results. <laughs> He's a maverick. Give him a submarine. <laughs> yeah. But, so I, I went back I, there. I mean, like, they, they, are, they are the films that just really lost their way. I mean, I, I think the last one I saw was the one with Chester Benningfield in it. Yeah, he plays a Bennington. Yeah. Um, oh, I do. Group, I, they went gory death. I think they? that yeah. was the one I saw where the guy pretended he had survived a saw trap, wrote a book. And then he gets put through his paces. Yes. I think that's like Saw 3D or just after 3D. I think that might be the last one. That's the last one I saw. No, I think that might be the last one. 
until they did Jigsaw and Saw. But Saw's coming back. That's right. the reason. So I think I was getting into the mood and they're bringing Toby Mill back. Who's well, done very well out of this. Of course, yeah. In the first one, it's like, oh, just lay in the middle of this floor. Franchise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first one, the first one, to be fair, was was gory, it graphic, was graphic, and it had, it had that... Gritty. I mean, it's I mean, it's not seven, but it had no. an ending that made you go like, oh yeah, it's kind of like seven, you know, like it had a twist that it, it was, was all there. It was there for you to figure it out, yeah. and and you know, it, it kind of revealed itself towards the end, and you know that music, dun 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 dun. dun. Hey, all right, yeah, okay, I can do yeah. with, I can do with the first two. <clears throat> there you go. Actually, that's a good point. In the first one, so we've told he doesn't kill people. He shotgun shells the Asian cop. He's <laughs> like, what was his choice? don't follow me or you'll be shotgun shell. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Because he has a history of going after people and not looking after his mum. Bit of elder abuse. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, wasted my life, mate. <laughs> wasted it. Yeah, Spiral's not great. Yeah. It, it, it was very middle of the road. Oh, no. I, I guess I wanted to like it. Yeah. Yeah, mm. his, his beard didn't look right as well. When they tried to de-age him, they I just gave him- that about his beard as They well, gave yeah. him a weird suit. It's like, oh, they wore this in the past. <laughs> It was. It wasn't a good viewing experience. Let, let's keep it somewhat on horror. Um, <laughs> with Jordan Peele's latest instalment uh, of Nope. nope. So Jordan Peele, obviously, um, you know the outstanding Get Out and Us, which I really loved as well. Yeah, I think I, I find it very hard. Probably Get Out because of like the playful nature of it, whereas whereas Us is just like, oh no, it's horror. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, Jordan Peele is, is extremely clever and his films are laid as is Nope. I mean, Nope is the latest installment that's just come out in Sky Cinema, which is why we're talking about it. It did come out in 22. Um, it stars Daniel Kaluuya again. So, uh, you know, who won an Oscar, I believe, for Get Out when he was in that. Uh, it's got Kiki Palmer in it, Stephen Yeun and Michael Wincott. Yep. Love it, a bit of Michael Wincott. So when is he revealed as the villain? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, brother and sister OJ and Emerald suspect something sinister lives above their California house ranch and they plan to lure it out and capture it on film. That's cool. That's a really cool premise. It is a pretty good film is, uh, idea, isn't it? It's the um, it's the longest of Jordan Peele's films. So this one is just over two and a half hours long and it does at times feel two and a half hours long. Um, but it is, uh, as with all Jordan Peele's movies, it's a mash of genres. So it, it's core, there's horror, but there's also thriller, sci-fi, a lot of B-movie. It's a film that twos and throws between being Spielberg and M. Night Shyamalan, yes. Yes, which is the best way to describe uh, this film. It's a film that has uh, influences and references to movies like Jaws, Close Encounters. It has Greek mythology and Medusa, you know, don't look. Um, but it also has a real healthy slice of tremors in there as well. <laughs> so it's a tremors. smorgasbord of influences that I found really interesting to watch. For the acting's really good. It's got multiple storylines. It's got this big storyline from Stephen Young's character as a childhood um, actor. It's so weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's graphic and kind of almost plays out as a bit of a. I mean, it is. It's a. It's a that it's a fable, isn't it? Almost that he's yeah. telling. There's a moment where he tells his past and that is the film. You're supposed to be listening <laughs> to what he's saying. Don't piss about with things that shouldn't be pissed about with is, is, is what he's saying in it. And so it has this big depth to even the secondary characters, um, which Stephen Young, I think really pulls off. Um, I thought visually it's a spectacle. It has some really, I don't want to go into spoiler territory, but there are scenes um, that, 
are as iconic. Not no, not as iconic as Closing Cars. They are you know, jaw dropping. They are creative. Yeah, the cinematography in this film is is brilliant. There is a scene of raining blood on a house, which is very very cool if you like your horror movies. Um, it has a very subtle horror as well. So it opens up with Keith David on a horse. Yeah, and like metal rain, and you. <clears throat> sorry, the main character is like looking around. You don't know what it is, and then you see, you know this. Like the ending of Shane, just like this horse slowly dropping off and you're like, what's happened? And yeah. then it's revealed and you're like, oh crap. It's like, yeah. what the hell happened? The, the misdirect is literally there. It's like, oh, you looked this way. You should have been looking this way. It opens up exactly what it, you know, it is what it says on the tin. And that's the best thing about Jordan Peele movies is is it it warrants repeat viewing mm. because you're like, I, now I need to go back and see all the things, all the breadcrumbs that he trailed that I didn't see. Um, You know, now that I know what the twist is, now I know what the ending is. And, like I said, it is one of them films where there's so many, I mean, Close Encounters is a, is a, is a big one, but there's like Jaws, like at the end, you know, don't get a guy who knows, you know, harpoons, get a guy who knows how to use a camera. It's <laughs> like at the end of the film, it's like, oh, I've seen this film uh, in a different incarnation. I don't think it's the best of the three, but I do think a film that is two and a half hours long warrants it to be good to be invested and I think this really did pull it off I think Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer as the main two actors in it as well are are really really good and really um, engaging for a viewer to, to watch their because again they they have their side opinions you know they're running the family ranch you know the, this is a ranch that loans horses to films or um, oh, that's really interesting as well that was different mm. <clears throat> Yeah, and I, and I like their dynamics. You know, one is selling off, you know, uh, horses to kind of keep the profit. The other one has gone off to have her own career, um, you know, and isn't really attached to the family side of things, the business, uh, you know. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to rush back to it. No. I also thought it it had a quite a few funny scenes in it as well. Oh, I yeah. mean, Clue, you, I mean, the film was called Nope, and there are a few times where something happens and he just goes, Nope. nope. And, yeah. it's, and it's just... <laughs> Yeah, I did laugh a few times actually at his performance and and how comical he is in a role that, you know, very easily didn't have to have that comedy to it, you know, and that layer to it. But um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. And what I like about it is on paper, it's probably the easiest to follow, but it's got, it's got add-ons. It's got DLC, mate. There's a lot of extra in there. Mm. The idea of, is it a UFO? Is it this? Is it different? Because we've also through the three films you've dealt with three different distinct horrors that are very different yeah. from each other but also different from what kind of mainstream is telling us so the idea of UFO is like well I, we haven't seen the UFO abduction film in a while is that where they're going no mm. you know where they're going here no it keeps you on your toes I thought there was a lot of flaff but the flaff you know like the added on it. there's a scene where they go and talk about selling the horses and the sisters never met uh Stephen Young's character, Stephen Young's character. Yeah, Ricky. And he says, oh, you was Ricky from the TV series. It doesn't go anywhere until later, but it's nice. It's building a story. It's building tension because you don't know where it's going. And yeah. I think that pays off really well later. And I think aesthetically, it's a really good film. I think it's one of the films where people always forget Stephen, would never forget Stephen Young as a cowboy, as a cowboy. in the Californian desert. You know, kind of walking the line between entrepreneur, showman and Del Boy. Yes. You're a trickster, con artist. You I think know. he's a very good actor. Yeah. I really want to watch that comedy he's in on Netflix. Apparently he's very good. Or is it? Is Beef. It? Yes. Mm. I've heard. I'm not great. sure if it's a comedy, but I've heard good things about it. Oh, I thought it was a dark comedy. I apologise. Oh, okay. oh, it could be If then. I watch it, it's brutal. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I recommended this comedy <laughs> called Beef. We'll go watch it and we'll come back and report back. There you back. go, see. But no, first recommendation for me this week is, I mean, if you're a Jordan Peele fan, this would have been on your radar anyway. Uh, but if you're not and you're a horror fan or you like films that um, are 
slow burning, but deliver by the end. I think Nope is definitely something to recommend. Uh, people go out and watch. And it's layered, like I say, there's a lot to it. There's loads of Easter eggs, loads of references to other films and and, and other genres throughout the whole thing. It just, it, it, I don't know. I think the film with Jordan Peele, I'm a fan of his comedy. Oh yeah, but, definitely. But I think he's, he's really good at filmmaking. And, and I know that sounds like a hipster woke thing to say, no, you know, because he's, he's cutting edge and he's made three great movies, but he is very, very good. I think coming from a comedy background helped you. And this is a discussion point. I was talking to Esther... Today or yesterday, we were talking about the TV series Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Which I think is one of the most phenomenal, funny, consistently funny as well. I have a problem with the last series where some of the characters make decisions that aren't true to their character arc. But we were talking about how comedy does give you an aspect to tell you incredibly horrible stories because you're not used to it. You've lowered your guard. Mm. Examples being in series like three or four, Terry Crews' character is arrested because he's black looking for a moo-moo. Yeah, it's, it's it's a funny story, but it's not funny what's happened. And I use the example we were talking about. Well, actually, one of the biggest ones is I recall Only Fools and Horses, Del Boy and Rodney. Rodney's wife is pregnant, but she miscarries. But it's actually a funny story, but it's not funny, if that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Like, there's jokes in it, but that's not the takeaway. Comedy gives you this. And I don't know if... I think Peel gets that. Mm. He tells these complex stories. I thought this film was actually incredibly funny, but then I'm the weirdo who finds Get Out hilarious. <laughs> There are parts of Get Out I find incredibly funny. Mm. The awkwardness, especially when you rewatch it and you understand what's kind of funny about it in a really horrific, horrible way. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Jordan Peele has that ability. But then again, us had had you know Winston Duke in that has has a oh, few yeah, bits go, yeah. as well that are, that are great. Um, and I think as someone who isn't necessarily horror is not my go-to. I think horror is the is the best style of filmmaking. Yeah. And you've said that for a while, haven't you? Yeah. It's not my but the gore stuff doesn't yes. really attract me to it. You know, but um I do think a bit of comedy in a horror does release some of that tension and that anxiety and that kind of you know, if you are someone like me who doesn't necessarily like or enjoy feeling stressed and you know you kind of you take the moments in the film to be like oh, just give me that breather to get to yeah. the next scene um but yeah horror i think in in, in instances like this in in nope just shows how because horror is about pacing it's about cinematography it's about score it's about suspense it's about again leaving that trail of breadcrumbs and not just coming out bang 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 you know just quiet quiet you know slam this slam that which we had a really long stretch of those kind of films yeah and it feels like oh here we go now this is going back to horror you know that like sent more you know movies like that that we talked about oh, which is it's a it's a bubbling pot until yes. you get to the end you know rather than a film where you know like the opening See, scene is someone getting gutted there's no jump scares or like yeah unnecessary or yeah it's a good film and I, if for a long film and you get a sense of feeling nothing happens. It doesn't ever feel like a drag. Mm. Maybe maybe towards the middle bit where you're like, oh, it's two and a half hours. But every reveal of the story did drag me in a little bit closer. I have seen a film this week. Mm. Um, it's got two names. In America, it was called Pressure Point. In this country, it was released as Heart of Champions. Right. You, you trust me, you don't know. I had to fight. I didn't find this film. Like, you I had to you, fight for it. You, when you randomise... And this is how big, I don't even know what I randomised. I've definitely watched it. <laughs> I've got the scars. It's uh, directed by Michael Mailer, and it's written, be, written by Vojin Gujar, starring Alexander Ludwig and Charles Melton and Michael Shannon. You can see why, right, yeah, why yeah. I watched this film. After finishing last in the National Rowing Championship, the college rowing team turned to tough Vietnam vet Michael Shannon. 
to help them achieve their goal of beating Harvard, winning the championship and getting onto the Olympics team. Can I just say that when I look at Michael Shannon, I don't, I see Vietnam vet. I don't, I don't understand the jump from Vietnam vet <laughs> to rowing coach. Um, we have the tough love from Shannon. We've also got the cocky team captain who can do no wrong. And his rich father is unofficially running the team. We've also got the friend of the, uh, the team captain who is better rower. He's got the leadership quality. Everyone likes him. He's that bit pastor. You know where this is going. We've got these two ideological battles. Mm. And who, is, who is the Vietnam bet Michael Shannon going to listen to? The rich father who he rode with, but the real talented rower. It's not going where you think it's going, mate. <laughs> Sorry. Aliens. I'm just going to say, so this, this second friend doesn't want to be the captain, despite the fact he's a better rower. He doesn't want to be the captain. So, you know, he definitely won't die. <laughs> <laughs> but there's more. There is a new kid, the most talented rower who ever existed, but he doesn't want to row because rowing killed his family. <laughs> That's not a joke. <laughs> this sounds like... He doesn't a... want to row. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because- I imagine the, the answer to that is don't fucking row. <laughs> he, he, was, he was a talented mate. In high school, he was the rower. Yeah. He, was, he was the one. And he begged his family to come to one of his mates. They died in a car crash, so he blames rowing. <laughs> but <laughs> rowing gave him a scholarship. So he goes to this college, like, I don't want to row. Well, pay for your own fucking university then, you dick. I just see the trailer right now. Like, don't you turn your back on me. <laughs> He's walking away with his oar, his paddle. Can I just say that a writer of this, you know when you're watching something, you know they love... Rowing. Yes. <laughs> this person was apparently a good rower. The writer, whose name I've butchered, uh, Vodian Jagar, was a, was a talented. They make, they loved it. The, the sweeping shots. I think the director was also a rower. The sweeping shots, the, them getting ready. You know, you know faff in films? Yeah, yeah. Like in Rocky, they'd be like lacing up the boots. And you can tell the person who shot that, look, this fucker loves rowing. Mm. The first three minutes are great shots of rowing. <laughs> Oiling his, oil his oar. Yes, all of this. Waxing the, f- the bottom of the boat. The film, mate, utters all shit. Not even Michael I mean, Shannon. Michael Shannon has many speeches in his film and he cannot pull them together. Yeah, you you lost me at uh, <laughs> Rowan. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I've got to say, he, you know, he instills in him. If it sounds like you've heard this film, you have. Replace any of these sports films. <laughs> Just all you've done is change the sport. The cocky kid. I, re- I really want you to be like, oh, he's... he's He's, he's great, but God, he's a maverick. He, 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 <laughs> rows, he rows backwards. He rows backwards, yeah. <laughs> you say that, but no, I'm not going to... shouldn't fuck it. In the end, they win by blindfolding themselves. <laughs> I don't... Do you know what? Let's leave it there. Let's leave that there. Let's... Uh, Move on. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's champions. that. That's yeah. that. <laughs> I, I finally caught with uh, the rest of the world and watched Wednesday. I've seen I saw Wednesday. this a few weeks back, actually. Yeah. Just, I just don't think we talked about it. Um, well, we, we also didn't record for it. Yeah, the uh, Jenna Ortega uh, phenomenon directed by um, Tim Burton. Yeah, Tim, by Tim Burton, Burton. Getting, his, getting his fingers on Wednesday. Uh, I, I regret saying that like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, if you're someone like me who grew up with the 90s, Adam's family, you know, but obviously it's been incarnated various times in various different mediums. You know, they're spooky, they're kooky. It's the Adam's family. You know, all the characters are in this. Wednesday, Gomez, Morticia, Thing. Disappointed, spoilers, no cousin it. No cousin it. I thought cousin it was going to come yeah. into, but it was potentially season two. Pugsley as well, obviously. Um, Nine-parter, ten-parter uh, Netflix original TV show, which uh, follows Wednesday being... Uh, placed as a student in a, um, 
I suppose a school not for the gifted. School for the bizarre. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the you different. Know, it's not Hogwarts. I'm just going to say that it's definitely trying not to be Hogwarts. But you do, you know, you have those that are there because they're, you, you know, they're, they're vampires. I suppose they're, <laughs> yeah, vampires or their past is maybe werewolf, or, you know, or um, lichen. I guess yeah. is what they're actually called. Sorry, you, I apologise. Right. <laughs> apologise to all lichen listeners. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, you know, you got that interesting part to it of all these different. I suppose the expanded universe of for someone like me who already knows Adam's family from the family, the house, the, yeah. the characters in that, this enters into a world where no, there are other, um, you know, ghouls and demons and, and whatnot. Uh, can, I, can I ask you a quick question? Mm. So this film starts and Pugsley's been bullied. A TV show. Yep. Sorry. Being, and she, in a very Wednesday movie, which I quite like, she puts piranhas in the swim team's pool and yeah, they yeah. attack and she's expelled. Yeah. And she gets sent to this school where her mother and father used to go. And met and fell and in met love. And fell in love. Why the fuck didn't she go there to begin with? I, I know, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> it makes no sense. It's kind of like a punishment, but at the same time, it's maybe like, you should have been You're going to have here. Like, the greatest time. Oh, so you wanted your daughter to have a terrible, you're a terrible mother. Also, what have you been up to? <laughs> Fucking it. Don't it's, get me it's an odd one. I mean, what I do like about it is they put, where does it at the forefront? So this isn't about Gomez or Morticia. They're almost cameos. They come more into it towards the end. Which is good because they're not very good. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's kind of good to see... Um, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Catherine Zeta-Jones, yeah, it's Morticia. Um, and uh, yeah, so I like that. You've got obviously cameos from Christina Ricci. You've got Gwendolyn Christie as the head mistress. I love Gwendolyn Christie. Uh, which great. is brilliant. And it, it becomes a whodunit. So people start to become victims to vicious attacks that Wednesday starts to have premonitions. Her gift is this psychic ability that she can touch people or objects and it gives these kind of premonitions or flashbacks. She hasn't really learned how to control it or understand it. And it, like it, Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's a fish out of water story. She doesn't fit in. She doesn't, you know, want to go to the dance. She doesn't want to do what other school children her age do. Um, but what she does want to do is track down who is on this killing spree and the mystery behind it that may or may not involve her parents from when they were there years before. Do you know what? It was all right. I, I think she's phenomenal. She was so good in it. Like, she doesn't blink. Apparently, she did a lot of it herself as well. She she came up with the idea. She was the driving force behind a lot of her character's actions. I mm. really liked that. I don't really like... I liked her. I don't really like anything else. I, I mean, that I, makes the, sense. The, I think the absolute standout is Thing. Um, oh, yeah. I oh, do, yeah, that, However, they did that. The actor is uh, Victor Dorabantu. Yeah. Um I said, how, yeah, like you said, yeah, like yeah, I was a clue. <laughs> yeah, that's him, yeah. I think how they've done that, how they've done the hand and thing in this is brilliant. How they brought a hand, a, a severed hand to life, Yeah, I thought was great and, and really should get the Golden Globe this year. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, and you know, there's obviously it's become a a, a TikTok sensation as because of the dance yeah. and, and stuff. But, you know, it's good. And, and Tim Burton does seem to have this ability to make 12s that you think, should, should this be, be 15? Yeah. You know, I remember watching that Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children thinking this definitely should have been a 15 towards the end. And then this, I thought the kind of same thing. There's kind of some quite a bit of blood, a bit of violence. I think there's an occasional swear word in it. But I suppose because it's got that Adam's family, like it, it 
it's not scary. It's not horror. It's yeah. kooky and spooky. <laughs> it kind of gets around it. Do you know what I mean? But I tell you what, I'd watch nine episodes of this over Hocus Pocus two any day. <laughs> you didn't see Hocus Pocus two, did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking sad man. I'm going to say you now, Hester, Hester, Esther. I absolutely hate what Tish Adams in this. Like, I genuinely thought she could take a brick to Catherine Zeta Jones. She hated her so much. Also hated Gomez, which I didn't. I uh, which I didn't mind. I actually thought I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, Luis Go- Guzman. Yeah. I thought he was actually okay as a different type of... Punching? Uh, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> I thought, yeah. <laughs> but then again, she did marry Michael Douglas, mate, so maybe not. <laughs> um, yeah. the I don't think it knew what it kind of wanted to be at certain times. Like, it's very kooky and very this. And I know I get it. It's because she's dealing with things that she doesn't want to deal with. You know, it's like, it was her first romance. Two guys like her. She kind of likes both. But at the same time, she doesn't because she wants to get shit done. Mm. These things are actually in a way. So she's a really good hero to be. No, she doesn't want to be bogged down by this thing. She wants to get shit done. She's got a classmate. And you are right now that I think about it. Han, uh, thing. Thing is actually the standout. He is brilliant. No cousin it though. I thought some of the casting was bad, if I'm honest. Uh, Uncle Fester was bad. Uh, Uncle Fester, I did not enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, me I like, bad. I like the, I would like what they made Uncle Fester. Though. Yeah, like this, like almost like America's most wanted criminal. Yes. you know, and he keeps coming up with his stories. Of, you know, he's like, oh, it's like the time when I was in so and so, and I did so, and so he sat. They, what they did do very well is that in the limited time that he's there, they did ham him up to be like the That's crazy true. uncle, um, the infamous uncle. Um, but yeah, then they, I mean. It, when to me, it was more it was more Adam's family values than it was Adam's family. Yeah, there is. I, I find it. I imagine it was very hard to do. Most people think the Adam's family and even Adam's family values are perfect childhood films. They they walk that line perfectly. Will it ever be better? Did you need Wednesday? I, I thought it was okay. I thought yeah. it was cool. I think the mystery element then due to casting is not very mysterious. I kind of guessed it very early on because why would you? But, but mm. I do like Gwendolyn, Christine Gwendolyn. Uh, Gwendolyn Christie, yeah. Um, unbelievable. I knew I was going to get it wrong. I think she's she's very... Okay. There's going to be some beeping. <laughs> <laughs> it's a problem with recording. Oh, no, maybe not. <laughs> there was a beep. Uh, no, nope, there is. <laughs> is, it your, is it your heart rate monitor? <laughs> do you need to go turn it off? We're going to get any more? I don't know if... Because we're in James's kitchen. I think that's a dishwasher. I want to say that's a dishwasher. James, James has sorted it. Uh, have I? No. Esther, I, Esther, seriously, Esther, come here. I've, I've actually put it on again. So it's blinking three hours. Oh, no, turn it off. There you go. What you're, what you're demonstrating right now is man doesn't know how to work dishwasher <laughs> so perfectly. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I'd like to point out. Yeah, good point, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Esther. Um, I did turn it off, but I also reset it. <laughs> so we might go off again. <laughs> Oh, if yeah, only Wednesday. if only I edited these shows. <laughs> <laughs> Not since episode fifty. We know what happened. <laughs> like to point out, it was very nice, but she was on it. She knew the beeps were there. <laughs> That's why I love her. Okay, yeah, so Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, it was all right. <laughs> so we've got ground to cover. I'm saving Beast to last. Uh, have you seen the movie The Forgiven? I've not seen the film The Forgiven. I don't believe I've seen the film I, The Forgiven. I think this might be a bit of James. The Unforgiven. No, just Forgiven. Not okay. the unforgiven. We we know that one. I was gonna, this yeah. is just the forgiven. 
The Forgiven. Right, talk to me about The Forgiven. So Forgiven right? is a drama from 2021. It stars Jessica Chastain and Ray Fiennes as the mains. Got uh, Matt Smith in it and uh, Caleb oh, Lundy Jones as well. Mate, that cast list sounds phenomenal. It's a strong cast. It's directed by John Michael McDonough. I know you like the film The Guards. I do love the film. I tried to put that on the other day. Yeah. I fell asleep. And The Calvary, another... Um, I love that film. With, uh, I forgot Brenda Gleeson in yep. it, yeah. Um, so this one, I, I don't know. I think this might be up, up your street. Do you like Morocco? I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, the, <laughs> I like the chicken. <laughs> um, this is about a wealthy couple, in this case, uh, Joe and David, played by Jessica Chastain and Ray Fiennes. They're traveling through Morocco to get to a lavish party from the, the upper class. You know, this is, you know, the um, the wealth of... Oh, I imagine it goes very well. They have a great pie. They go home. Well... They, uh, David is a high-functioning alcoholic who's had one too many drinks and decides to get behind the wheel of the car to travel through the night to get to this lavish party. Well, if history tells us anything, he got there unscathed and the world remained fine. Of course, you know, <laughs> and on the Moroccan roads, what could go wrong? <laughs> and, you know, this place they got, they got to get to is in the middle of nowhere. It's a... You know, it, it's a very well-off <laughs> mansion with servants. And, well, not servants, it's but a murder with house, basically. basically. That kind of thing. <laughs> On the way, on the commute, yeah. he does run over and kill a, a teenage uh, local. Um, they take the body to the party because they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> because what do you get the man who's got everything? Corpse. I think it's a reluctance thing. You know, they yeah. are when they, you know, when they hit the boy, they are in the middle of nowhere. It has dented the car, you know, so it's better to own up to it, fess up to it, than than it is to leave the body, you know, that kind of thing. So reluctantly they get they they continue on. When they get there, Matt Smith is the host of the party. Oh, no. You know, who and he's brought his nearest and dearest for three days of celebration, drinking and debauchery and whatever else it is that they're gonna do. He's like, Look, it was an accident, we'll let the local police know. Let's come clean, you know, have a shower, freshen up, sober up as best you can. Um, you know, and the local police will write this off as a horrific accident, then we can enjoy the weekend, is how he kind of sells it off. The police do then turn up. This is all in the first couple of minutes. Not giving the whole story away. Um, please do turn up, and then that is it. Yeah, they look at the party. They say this is a horrific accident. Was there a bribe? Maybe. Is this a nobody? Possibly. Is anyone going to know he's gone missing? Maybe not. You know, it's Morocco. It's you know the very isolated place. Yeah. Um, and and money talks, mate. They're rich. Yeah, yeah. And so they think everything's fine until yeah. the next day. The boy's father turns up, oh. and he's you know he's like, look, people talk. He's got rounds. My son didn't come home. Um, and he basically says to Ray Fines, "Is you need to come with me to take the boy back to the village to bury him. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, you have to show your. Um, I suppose you have to ask forgive for forgiveness. It's about respect. It's about um, you know. And Ray Fines is a really detestable character. In fact, they all are. Every Matt yeah. Smith, they all dial up to eleven of the most detestable." Um, you know, rich, wealthy. And that, that is what this is about. You have this man who's victim to, you know, his, his only son, you know, being uh, run over, you know, by a drunk driver. And you have these people that's like, do I have to? Do I have to go? You know, it's three days, you know, and oh it's, my you God. know, it's, it's that kind of dilemma. Now, of course, the film is about Ray Fiennes' character going on a journey, you know, a pilgrimage about learning about himself. And as he's away, his wife, Jessica Chastain, stays at the place. They continue to party for the three days. 
you start to learn a little bit more about Ray Fiennes' character. In what I will say was quite clever. They don't, it doesn't cut to a scene where it's like, well, you know, the thing about David is, and give you a lot of exposition. Yeah. It's drip fed in a way that is like, oh, okay. You, you know, Matt Smith tells this story and at the end it's like, no, David was the person who did that. And you're like, oh, that shines a different light on it. Yeah. So actually, is it that he is a good person or was once a good person, but something's happened and he's now this way. And what is it? Is it about being with the wrong crowd? What, you know, is it about money and, and this kind of thing? But ultimately, it is a film that tries to contrast, um, like I say, wealth and and poverty of cultures. I mean, it's an intercultural um, relationship that he has, you know, for these three days where he travels. Um, it It's a film that tries to be really deep and, you know, at the end of it, have this kind of like meaning. It, it almost plays out by the end as a bit of a fable. Yeah. You know, you start to question, well, actually, is this just a giant metaphor? Because would they have this giant party in the middle of the desert? You know, and, <laughs> well, so you start to question it in like, well, actually, would you, you know, kind of thing. And, um, you know, the, the, without yeah, no, giving I spoilers guess, away, yeah. there are certain scenes as well where you're like, hold on, that's almost like a fantasy or, yeah. a, or, a, or a metaphor, you know, in the well, way that they're talking about. Mother, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a film that I don't think it's as deep as it intends to be, but for the, it's just shy of two hours, it's about an hour and 50. It is a very good drama. And I think quite often nowadays, you don't get a good drama. No, that's a good show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like nowadays it's an action or it's a thriller or whatever it is. You know, this has a, you know, a horrific- Mate, did I not tell you about Heart of Champions? <laughs> yeah, true, true, yeah. Maybe there's too much drama. <laughs> um, but The Forgiven, you know, it's in the title. It, will he get forgiven when he goes to this place? Or is he actually being led to his death? You know, because we don't know who the dad is and- you know, they're, maybe they're not honourable. Maybe, maybe he isn't. Yeah, no, I get that. Maybe cool. they're not even that's the really boy's cool. father. That's the question. Oh, that's cool. Maybe it's not even the boy's father. Maybe it's just someone who sees it as a hostage situation, or that this is a wealthy man, and actually I can exploit this situation and get bribed. You know, so there's a lot of questions there to be answered, and it does warrant some uh, quite interesting performance from Ray Fiennes as, as well, who who is great. I mean, Ray Fiennes always gives you one or two things, doesn't he? he gives you. Oscar worthy, you know, or Voldemort. Yeah, oh, you know? <laughs> shit, that's just going to stay. Because you want all the other, you know, when, when you get Ray Fiennes. And this, this I found, it's not Oscar worthy, but it's definitely a, um, you know, a good performance from him. Jessica Chastain, I think is brilliant. There. Matt Smith as well. Matt Smith needed a win for me because- He did, he's Because Morbius was dog shit. <laughs> um, Most Kate, people think you you could have been harder on Morbius. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. Uh, Caleb, I know, I know. And I remember giving that talk thinking- Actually, I'm going to come back to this. Remind me about this. Caleb, my last point, Caleb Andrew Jones, who I'm a big fan of as well, Get Out. So we've got the yeah. link there. So he was in Get Out. He was the brother, you know, that almost asked Daniel Kluwer about, you know, do you fight, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. But he was in Free Boards from um, uh, Missouri, Missouri, you know. So Caleb uh, Andrew Jones, he's a really interesting bloke. And he's good in this as well, uh, in this film with Matt Smith. They are a couple that own this luxurious place, you know, in, in the middle of nowhere in Morocco. Um the Morbius thing, this is what I wanted to get to as well. Can I, I just can I just say before you start, which yeah. I hope is really fun, is this is the film where Ralph Fiennes kills a teenager. Yeah. The yeah. one thing he couldn't do is Voldemort. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. No. I, Actually, mate, yeah, yeah. Not, there should have been a moment where he looks at the camera and winks <laughs> to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, mate, that a lot of people I know have said, I thought Aaron was going to be much harsher on Morbius. Right. Because that's the same week. I'm fairly certain the week before that, didn't you do another bad film? Probably Venom. It's around no, that time. I, Venom oh, two. Anyway, carry on. Yes. Well, the thing with that was at the time when I was doing Morbius, I didn't really enjoy it, but I didn't want to kick it because because everyone else had because everyone else had it. It was really unfair. <laughs> I don't want to follow the trend. But I thought there were some things that you could salvage from it, and I and in terms of a film 
a superhero movie of superhero origin story as well, which is the least interesting at the moment in terms of superheroes. I like the kind of gothic horrorness to it. Yeah. And, and I would rather see that attempt and fail than see the same generic stuff where yeah. the hero, and it's an anti-hero as well. I do like anti-heroes. I kind of gravitated more towards them. Um, what I didn't want to do though, is I've always walked this fine line of not knowing how I feel about Jared Leto. That's true. I, I always, when people talk about Jared Leto, they always focus in on the crap, but they always forget like million uh, Dallas Myers Club yeah. or Fight Club. I mean, Fight you know, Club. He, pretty he had, boy in that. It, it, there was a period where he was actually very good. Yeah, and then he did the Joker, and then everyone's just like seems to forget. But about even it. even the Joker, I don't I don't hate in the yeah. sense that you can't do what Heath Ledger did. And I know I've said this on numerous podcasts now. Yeah. You can't go out there and just rehash what Heath Ledger did. You, can't, you couldn't do. Because one, it would you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't match it. And two, it would be injustice to Heath Ledger's performance. And three we need to evolve characters. And mm. and again, it goes back to, I'd rather see them shoot for the stars and fail than show me the same shit. So, and I liked Gangster Joker. I like this idea that he was the top guy in Gotham. Yeah. I like that because Gotham in, and I'm not a DC expert or a comic book expert, but for my limited knowledge, I do like the power play of, you know, Penguin yes. being at the forefront. Yeah, and of then, all of and, them. Yeah. You know, and, and it being more of a kind of, Mafia's type and even Birds of Prey when they break up oh, he's literally going to say yeah that, there's that yeah. scene where you're not the Joker's girl anymore so you know there's a, there's Everyone's a target like, on your back is, is your is your fella joining us and, yeah and because they're all terrified and she says no when they're like oh it's open season then and, so, I, and I think there was a lot of Zack Snyder's kind of vision that we didn't see like you know there was still the rumours that actually that isn't the Joker that is Robin you know there's still yeah, that theory going yeah. around that you know you see Robin's um, outfit in the Batcave with graffiti all over it and then uh, Ben Affleck's Bruce Willis, uh, Bruce, Bruce, Wayne. Bruce Wayne, Bruce Willis, Bruce Wayne gives the talk about, you know, Gotham's lost its heroes, you know, now they're all villains. And it kind of really hit the the idea of actually, yeah. is that Robin that's gone crazy? I would have preferred that. that, and, that cool, and so yeah. I think with time, maybe we would have seen something. And certainly when he reprised the role in the Zack Snyder's um, Justice League, at the, that at joker the at the end, when yeah. he's got all the cop badges on him and he's like, you need me. Um, you know, and they're having that trade-off and Batman swears and he's like, when we're done, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like, there's there's something there. And, yeah. and so I, so that's why I say about, you know, but Suicide Squad was dog shit. It was. So, yeah. so I, that's why I don't know where I stand. Now, I know where I stand now with Jed Lowe. And he, this is even after I found out about his 30 Seconds to Mars cult where they all go to an island and everyone prays him like he's Jesus. Never forget he is Jesus. <laughs> I, have you seen any photos of the Met Gala? This week, no, because because this is the time of the year where I generally lose more interest in the species that I am. Because you yeah. just see these. Let's be honest, and let's be fair, twats. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's easy to shit on them, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> because I think how distasteful is it that we celebrate fashion? Yeah, and I, and I and if you could see this, I'm I'm pulling a face when I say that word. <laughs> um, you know, when you've got you know absolute peaks of poverty and exactly. homelessness, and mate, wars we just annoyed a very rich of, man while people starve in their homes. I'm not playing political. No, move on. But you do watch it, and you're like, why the fuck are we celebrating these people? Like, Twats. Like there's one, I saw this one dude. Don't know who it is, but he was just wearing a pair of pants and he glued a load of diamonds on him. Now, if I did that, I went to Tesco's. I'd be fucking locked up. You know? I would pay you <laughs> to go no. to Tesco just like that. <laughs> yeah. Or an equivalent version, so coupons. <laughs> but, but my point being is Jared Leto went as a cat. <laughs> right? And... <laughs> I'll be honest, mate. 
If I could have a hundred cats, this is what you were going to say next time. No, so the cat. <laughs> now, the thing is, the cat costume was great. It was absolutely, it was brilliant. Cats. It was, mate, it's the best cat costume I've ever seen. Oh my God. Do they have a cat? And it probably did know Jared Leto. But I was like, fuck, that'd be cool at like a kid's party. <laughs> Like Jared Lowe's, and, and, and I got to be honest as well. This is why I don't like it, it's because because I saw a picture and saw my Jared Lowe is in this cat costume, and I thought, oh, good, he's he's expanded his roles into he's now doing a kids' film where he plays a giant cat. No, it isn't, it was a fashion show. It was the makeup. Oh my god, they announced the sequel to Cat Story. Fucking Jared, I'd be all over, I'd make best film of all time. I'd be there midnight launch. Oh my God. Honestly, oh. just, I mean, the the other year he oh. went, he went extravagant. God fucking tears, mate. He went extravagant and he took, a, he took his own Jared Leto mannequin head, <laughs> which I swear to God, I bet he sleeps with on his bedside table. But he makes love to it. Yeah. <laughs> he makes kisses every it's night. Like, you were a great joker. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to the critics or anyone. Because <laughs> never forget, it wasn't just the critics that went after that film. <laughs> Um, yeah, Joe Lowe, there we go. Um, move oh, on, we've got loads of ground to cover. We, uh, I'm saving Beast, I've already said it. The Forgiven, though, give it a chance if you like dramas. Um, now, we watched a TV show this uh, over the last 10 evenings, although actually we did binge the last couple. Yeah. And there's a TV show called Daisy Jones and the Six, which is on Amazon Prime. I don't know if you've heard of it, seen it, or anything like that. Daisy Jones and the Six. Yeah, now I know one thing about you, James, yeah. is that you have a thirst. I do have a thirst. For uh, music and rock bands. Mate, I love them. I've got all of their albums. Yeah. Every so you've band. heard of the band Fluid Mac. I have heard of the band yeah. Fluid Mac. So I've I could even no I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, based or inspired from a novel that is very heavily influenced by the relationship of Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks from Fluid Mac. <gasps> off on Nicks. relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's the uh, it's a fictitious band in the seventies, which and the ten part show. Uh, uh, is about their rise to fame from, um, you know, garage bands, you know, starting out writing music to becoming the biggest band in the world. And it's shot in a documentary style. So, you know, we have, uh, it will start with the present or it never actually really says where the present is. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. So it could still, it could be the nineties. It could be the early two thousands. I certainly don't think given the age of the cast, it's set in 2023, you know, because yeah. they would they would be very old by that point. So, um, and late, you know, and I think some of the video cameras you see do look more like 90s. So the majority of, sorry, so it's told in flashbacks and it's each of the members of this fictitious band being interviewed about their rise to fame and ultimately how it all went wrong. Um, the majority of the band is made up by um, the Doom Brothers in this case the lead star of the show is Sam Claflin who you may remember from who was in um, probably the Hunger Games is the big one okay um, in the second film he was one of the previous winners that went back in uh, good looking chap um, what was on, his name is he going to be Phineas Phineas yeah is he plays Max Mosley in one of the series of uh Peaky Blinders. I, you, yeah. Yes, you are right. Yeah. So yeah, English think, talent. They talk about him as being one of the next Bonds. Yeah, although I think it has gone to Richard Madden, hasn't it? Because he, he said that. He put a picture up of him with a martini. Oh, right. And, and now everyone's like, he's, he's got it. He's kind of, they're starting the rumour trail stuff. But yeah, I mean, he could have been. I mean, he's got the he's got the chops for it. Great, great actor in um, 
in that. I, I can't remember his other big one, but it will come to me in a minute. Um, so he plays one of the brothers, the June brothers, and they are up and coming in the 70s. They meet the, a label, they kind of get in there. They've got some good hits, but maybe they need something else. They need something that's going to put them above the crowd. In comes uh, Riley... I think it's Kyo, I may butchered that surname, um, who plays Daisy, who is, you know, the 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 free-spirited, I don't care what anyone thinks, this is who I am, um, but oh great God. lyricist, exceptional singer. Um, and is it, can they function as, you know, a, yes. a unit with a new singer or a dual vocalist um given that also personalities clash particularly between the lead billy the lead singer sam claflin and daisy herself so over the 10 episodes you kind of show their struggles you know for all the things that you're going to expect in a in a you know the drugs the you know the sex the rock and roll the the lifestyle the maintaining a relationship what life is like when you're not in front of ten thousand people screaming your name and you have to go back to well, I imagine you, you you'd go back to your mannequin heads. <laughs> yeah, dress as a cat. So you're a fucking cop. What a narcissist. I'm sorry. But, um, anyway, what I wanted to say was, I really thought it was good. I mean, it's got a really good cast in it. Uh, a lot of British talent in here as well. It's got Timothy Oliphant, who is in the first episode. Yeah. And I thought, why is he gone? Because he's in the first one and then he disappears for seven, but he comes back in the last two. And I was like, God, I love Oliphant. Do you know what? I used to hate Oliphant, but he has turned- Really? No, back in, back in the day- Did he dress as a cat? Like, no, Scream 2. I didn't think he was very good, but I'm going to tell you now- one of the very few actors that I flipped on. Very good. Very oh, talented. Brilliant. He's brilliant. I mean, not all 10 episodes are great. You get There's one episode where it's like, oh, and here's a gap year where they're in a different country. And it's like, why are we seeing this? And he's like, literally, why are we seeing it? It's and because the, 10's a nice round number. <laughs> yeah. right? That's why. And there's also, a, there's a side uh, story about someone who's not in the band, but is a soul singer who leaves LA to go to New York. And there's a really interesting and maybe even better story in her journey because she as someone who does love music you know she leaves LA because the New York scene is more vibrant and for soul and what she's doing you know that's the place to be she's told actually if you're there you're probably going to be much more famous and but then there's you know she uh get you know she sees Daisy as someone who doesn't and didn't work for it but gets this opportunity and gets a number one record she's been doing it since she was you know a young kid and hasn't got that opportunity and so they kind of cause a bit of friction. And then when she finally does get it, you know, the fact that she uh, is a lesbian kind of jeopardizes her career because of the time. And so there's a real story. Yeah. In her, and, and, and I was watching it thinking like, fuck, that's the, that's the side story. You know, that's the, that's what we cut to when we're not seeing what these guys are doing on the tour bus. But I will say this, I, the songs are fucking brilliant. Yeah. The songs that, they, that they've written for this band sound like Fleetwood Mac and sound like the 70s. They're catchy. They're good hits. And towards the end of the show, towards the end of the 10 episodes, the last episode is a big concert. And when they're playing them, you're like, fucking hell, even though I've only watched 10 hours of this, I know the words. That this They're catchy that's good cloud. songs. That's, that's wow. Yeah, the characters are at the same time stereotypes you know like the oh the bass player you know that no one likes or you know wanting to be the front man be, and, be careful and, you're in a band right? yeah <laughs> and and the, and the drummer who you know he's just a drummer you know it has those stereotypes to it but there's more to him and yeah. i will say that the best thing about the show was after it finished i actually thought i wonder what they're doing now you know like i wonder what will they do a second season that's because cool. that's the 70s and they're being interviewed in potentially the 90s early 2000s so, you got so 80s. actually in the 80s they could have gone off and had 
career. So I really yeah. do hope they revisit it and do another show. That's, um, that's the sound. Do you know what? That also sounds different. Yeah. That sounds interesting. I, I, do you know what? It was really good. And I liked watching an episode of night, an evening, and then being like, on a Friday night, we've got, we got a takeaway. <gasps> what Jeff? Chinese. Ooh. First one in a while. Where'd you go? A very good one. The Orient, which is in Birchwood in Lincoln. Oh. Um, very good. Um, What's your order, mate? Well, it was, I'm vegetarian, so I had to go oh, with no. the vegetarian option. So kind of mm. limited to a lot of mushrooms yeah. and um, and tofu and stuff. But, but the sauce is nice, but not, not too oily. Salt mm. and pepper chips. Oh, mate. Good choice. Good choice. Mm. Egg fried rice going there. I look, I think it's best rice. I don't understand why mm. people, people with their special rice, mate, maybe I'm a working class man. Mm. I like my... <laughs> Rice egged, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Really, really good. And I, and like I said, I did find myself the next day a couple of times being like, oh, I'm kind of good that that's ended because I was really, really enjoying it. Um, and the songs were banging. So if you haven't seen it and you like Fluid Mac and you like rock music, uh, Daisy Jones and the Six is on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I think last Friday I had a mac and cheese from a tin and we watched Glow Up. <laughs> <laughs> did you dress as a cat though, James? No, did have a paper mache in my own head though. <laughs> Um, oh. racing through him I, I think I've only got one more and that was Beast mate can I tell you I really wanted to see Beast Idris Elba the potential of being now acted by CJ Cat. I was desperate it was all about Beast is an odd one because I knew when it was coming out I didn't want to watch it <laughs> <laughs> it's a special film that you know instantly you don't want to I, see I know and, and I, do, I think I just finished Nope and I, oh, I don't, want to, go, film, I don't yeah. want to go to bed now. No, you know, I'm gonna, I've just, you know, I'm committed to this sofa now. I've made a nice dent. <laughs> yes. I'm in my Udi. Oh. I'm going to watch uh, one more film. I'm going to put it on. So here's Idris Elba, 90 minutes. Going to do oh, it. Oh, 90 minutes though. Creature feature, 15. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen one of these films. They just, I thought, the one thing I did hear about it was, it is exactly what you think. Yeah. You're going to go into it and you're going to get exactly what you think you're going to get. And so this is Idris Elba. It's got... Um, I, I, I hope I pronounced this right. Chateau Copley. Yeah. Uh, District 9. Yeah. Yeah. The A team as well, isn't he? Yes. 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 Yeah. Good pull. He um, was a very good Murdoch. Is, that, is it Murdoch? I don't really know the A team that well. Liam Neeson played Murdoch, I think. Oh, who's the crazy one? Yeah. The they pilot. played the crazy yeah. one, the pilot one. Yeah. Uh, Leah Jeffries and Johanna Halley are the. It's a limited cast, very small cast. Um, and it's man versus genre. Yes. Man versus crocodile. Man versus whatever it is, yes. whatever creature they want to put in it. You know, proper proper eighties, seventies, eighties movie where you just went to pay your hard earned money to watch Man v Beast. There's a, there's a nineties film, and I remember talking to you about it. And you don't believe it exists. It's called The Ghost in the Darkness. Well, Val Kilmer hires Michael Douglas to help him kill a lion that's attacking a railway. Uh, construction in Africa. And when I saw Beast, I was like, it's just an updated version of this. That sounds like it's got more depth to it than this It does. did have a lot more depth yeah, in it. Like it turns out that the line is the curse of a thousand years of... Lion. Yeah, there's not a lion. <laughs> the line in this is a lion. Um, is it, and has it got special powers at least? Apparently, because <laughs> the film starts with the whole pride being butchered by uh, poachers bar this one. So oh, he's pissed. Right. So, it's, know, so, so it's a revenge story. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, at the beginning of the film... On his side. I'm on the line side because at the end of the day, you're in his territory, you're in his home, you just killed his whole family. Yeah. I, at this point, seen him as a bit of a good guy. Yeah. Killed a couple of poachers, quite enjoy the beginning of this you, movie. You do need a body count and it needs to be poachers. Yeah. Because if, if, if he takes out like a school, it's not as good. <laughs> well, in comes Dr. Nate Daniels, played by Idris Elba. Fuck off, he's not a doctor. And he's an American doctor, oh. which I thought, why make Idris Elba do an American accent when you could easily just wrote... He's from London. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, or just ignore it. Yeah, just, just like yeah. most things. <laughs> he, he's he's uh, and and I'm not saying his American 
accent was bad. But when you know him as Luther, it's hard to not hear. He does have good, but he grew up in American, like the why he's yeah. got a flawless American accent. Yeah. So I can't imagine he's jarring because you know it. It's like David Tennant. Once yeah. you actually realise you've heard his real voice, you're like, oh my God, he's, he's Scottish. He's not English. However, his English is spot on. Yeah. His English yeah. accent. Yeah. I, um, oh, and obviously Christian Bale is the big one, isn't it? Oh, like, yeah, I forgot Christian, about Christian Bale, Bale, you forget, completely forget, you know, his, his origins. Oh, you forget he's a man sometimes, mate, with the stuff he puts <laughs> his body through. Um, so Dr. Nate Daniels, played by Israel Elbert, his two teenage daughters go to South Africa. Uh, it's time to face up with a supercharged line who's pissed off. They are on a, they're a family grieving the loss of the mum, the wife. They go back to South Africa, where she's from as a kind of, it's a, it's a, again, it's a pilgrimage. It's a sign of respect. It's to help with a grieving process. The line's like, fuck that. The line's like, I'm going to fuck all over this holiday. Um, you know, they want to go back to where the mum is from and yeah. just as a family rekindle, They want to go full circle, mate. Yeah. They and, and, go and they've, they've obviously strayed from, uh, you know, these events and maybe well, more. Well, Luther's been in jail for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they go out on safari one day, you know, and, uh, and then that is when this line attacks. So, um, Either they are miles away from anyone. You need all these things. You need the technology to go. You need there to be no bullets. You need, you know, this is about bare hands, James. It's not a fair fight if he's got a, a machine gun, you know, anything like that. It's got to, it's got to be bare hands. Yeah, because or... he's a lion. He'll fight fair. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me there's a bit where he predators and he gets some branches and he sharpens him. He's like, you want me? It, I'll come get you. Well, it's an odd film because... <laughs> Because you get to that bit very quickly. There's, you know, there's, there's, 20, there's 10 minutes at the beginning. Where it's like, you know, um, mum's dead. Charter Copley <laughs> is the local. He's the, he's the ranger who takes him out. Oh, okay. He knew the, 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 both of them. He introduced actually Idris Elba and, and oh, uh, so to his wife. So yeah, they're oh. all friends. You know, they reminisce that, you know, he's like, look, tomorrow I'll take you out. I'll show you, I'll show you this line, mate. It's off this fucking rocker. <laughs> and goes, we dropped a load of cocaine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, his line's had a few days to chill, but apparently no, he's got a taste for blood, mate. He's, he wants him a man witch. And <laughs> it's the line of criminal Jack Bauer. He's just fucking pointing him at a target, mate, and he's gone. And it, it does, it does become very quickly, you know, a worst case scenario film. You know, it's about a dad trying to protect his two daughters. Yes. Whilst this line is, it's like I'm gonna eat him. Yeah. Now, there are some bits I quite enjoy with it. There are some very silly bits. There's a bit where Idris Elba has to go. Uh, he has to leave. They're, they're in a van. They're yes. in a truck. Safe yes. place to be when yeah. there's a lion. But he has to leave the truck to go do something. And he's left the keys in it. The lion kidnaps. <laughs> no, but, but there's a bit where he basically plays like peekaboo with a lion who I'm pretty sure would have smelled him or seen him. You know, because this is his territory. And this lion may as well just be walking around going like. Uh, you know, like, the, like Idris Elba is hiding behind a tree at one point. Genuinely honest question. <laughs> Who played the cat? <laughs> Jared Leto. Um, no. That's why he was dressed as a cat. But there's, there's a bit where, there's a bit where like, you know, it plays, it does, the film, ha the, the film is shot in a way that has these long sequences it uses a mix of medium exposure and close up. It gives the idea that they are in the arsehole of nowhere and this is the yeah. worst thing that could have happened gives a real sense of that they are alone and isolated. And these long shots pay off really well. Some, some smart takes to give these long sweeping effects, mm. which is which is a really good trick to have in this film because it's about building tension and suspense. And particularly in these scenes where Idris Elba is like creeping around, trying not to be noticed by this line that you keep seeing in the distance. Oh, I like that. As, cool. as he's kind of navigating his way to get to where he needs to get to to do a certain thing, which would be a spoiler if I told you what it was. 
But then the lion kind of like is, is remembers it's a lion and can smell <laughs> and comes over and then he just over climbs this tree right. and, and he's literally like a meter above this line and the line's like, oh, where did he go? <laughs> and then he, he just over drops a snake on him and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like you've just gone from worst case scenario, but trying to keep grounded in reality to now all of a sudden, like I say, Idris Elba's playing hide and seek with a lion. It then kind of picks itself up again. And, and, but the thing is with these films is it's a metaphor. The whole point of this film is, and these films often is a metaphor. Like Jaws yes. isn't about a shark. No. It's about a person, a man overcoming something. Yeah. The metaphor, the, the shark is the vessel to do that. Yeah, like the film Gonzalez is about how much money can you waste. Yeah. <laughs> Just- but this is the same. The shark, uh, the, the, the lion, the lion is the embodiment of Idris Elba's failures. Like, so he has been a distant father. His daughters are like, you were the one who should have gone. Mum loved us. She was there for us. Fucking You're a doctor. You didn't help her. You didn't save her. Idris, Idris, Idris Elba has to face up to this lion. And it's a, it's, again, man versus beast films, it's, this is the case. And it's always a metaphor for yes. an internal struggle. You never, It's never man versus well-balanced individual. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, oh, it's a creature from the Black Lagoon. Who should we get? We'll get this guy that's got no baggage. <laughs> he's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, you know, he's, yeah, that's it. He's he's not fighting the lion. He's fighting the Himself. inner turmoil. That kind of, yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's around and it's in from cats. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, the, that's what you're supposed to get from this film. Do you know what I mean? So the... But the problem is, is the scenes about the backstory yeah. that warrant the reason why he's fighting a lion, which again, you could take as, <laughs> is sense, he really fighting a lion or yeah. is he actually overcoming, you know, his, his own uh, demons. inner demons? Yeah. That, it, you know, there'll, there'll be this scene, it's like lion, like attack, all oh, vicious. And it looks cool, you know, like it's like claw comes out of nowhere. Like, rah, rah, rah. Two seconds of breather. God, you're a shit dad. Do you know what I mean? Like it just, it, it, and I would be like, "Woman, there is time to talk about this shit." Like, mum would have beat it. Yeah, I fucking beat you. It's just, it's just one of the films. It's like any break they have, they just have to throw the throw it in. You know, like, oh, were you it. shit? Like that, right at the end, he throws what I assume is the target into the energy, killing the emperor, and he just turns and he goes like. You weren't there for my ninth birthday. <laughs> just like, right, get the fuck off. Well, you know, At one point, you should have left. It's like, right, okay, if I was a bad dad so much, I'll see you later. Yeah, fucking see yourself in this one then. <laughs> um, I would have wounded one of them. Give the line a say, give, 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 the line, give the line a smell of blood and then run the other way. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, it, yeah it, it, has, it has a sequence at the end that is uh, very impressive. Okay. With you know, it does feel like they saved their money for this end scene. And if you want to, do you know how everyone went to see the Meg because they want to see Jason Statham punch a shark? Yes, you will see Idris Elba punch a line. Then that's all I want. Uh, that, exactly, take my money. exactly. And to the last five minutes, he's, he can. He's like, "There's only one way to deal with this: fucking hand-to-hand combat." And and you're like, "No, all right, fuck it, let's see it then." And then when it happens, you're like. Fuck me, yeah, right. Well, you're telling me the film Beast ends in a fist fight between a lion and Idris Elba. Yeah, pretty much. And I've not seen this film. (laughs) And and it is very graphic and realistic, like as realistic as a CGI lion (laughs) can be. As realistic as a a fight between a man and a lion. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? It's like it's not, it's it's not. it's not scrappy. You know, you know, like when you watch The Revenant and the bear attack at the beginning of that yeah. movie and all the actors were told, don't talk about how they filmed the bear attack because it was absolute cutting technology. Yeah. And this, you know, this, I was watching this and I was like, actually that's vicious and it looks like it hurts. But at the same time, that lion is acting like a lion. Yes. Which so, 
my take home from this is, so is you did yourself actually for a line. That line was pretty good. <laughs> the rest of the film, I'm not too sure about. Um, yeah. Did at the end, does the line respect you yourself? Because he went the full ten rounds. No, but swing happens, swing at the, swing happens at the end. I was like, what? And then someone later on goes, oh, you knew that would happen. And then yourself might as well just winked at the camera, gone, yeah, just use magic. <laughs> It, it, so at the end, it turns out he wasn't actually Doctor He was just a magician. It, it's odd. But do you know what? It's a 90-minute ditty. It's in South Africa. I, I really do find myself pulled towards films nowadays hmm. that are not in your basic locations. You know, your Londons, your New Yorks, that kind of thing. I was you like, do, yeah, you actually. You to hate New York, haven't you? Not hate it, but it's just saturated. It saturated. And it's like, actually, yeah, I haven't seen, like, let's watch a film set in South Africa. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's cool. You know, end lines. Okay, that's cool. I've just seen Idris El- uh, I've just seen Jared Leto dressed as a as, as a, a cat. cat yeah. So let's it's do on it. Theme. And there are some, like I said, this. I think the real the, the star of it is the way it's filmed. There are some scenes where you, the smart edit is so good nowadays. Yeah. You, you know, where Idris El- was running and this tie, this line is chasing them, and he jumps in the car, closes it as it slams the door, and you think, that, oh, that was in the trailer. That, that's that pretty that good was, filmmaking. Yeah. That. Um, so yeah, it's not great, but it, it, if you like your beast movies, if you like your man versus films, no, there's there's very rarely greats though like that. In that, that species of film is very, yeah, you know, they're either good or bad, really. So that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, um, it's okay. It's not the worst. From the sounds of it, it's not the worst. It's not w- the best, but that's all right. But watching Beast did did bring me up or make me reminisce of the great creature feature killers in cinema. Mm. You know, we, I, we've already referenced some of the best, you know, Jaws, you know, we, we talk about the Meg, you know, uh, which should have won the Oscars that year and yeah. forever be, you know, the film that, the one that just got away, you know. I always like to think of that. It was, it's, I wasted an hour and a bit and that was all right. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything for that hour and a bit. That's, that's the biggest compliment I can give it. It was okay. But it does make me think I had to, Quite like a creature feature, yeah. Just, just four. Not all more, mate. They're not all winners. <laughs> not all winners, but you know, every now and again, it's like, oh, here, here's an ape that's gone crazy, yeah. you know, or, or like, oh, here's a giant ape that's gone crazy. Let's, let's never forget Razorback, the Australian uh, horror about a uh, killer boar, killer boar, or the film Congo with a lot of killer apes, some of them albino. Yeah, yeah. whilst they're trying to, f- Laura Linney's trying to find diamonds. That's a film that we don't talk about enough because it's absolute horseshit. Like Anaconda. Yeah, that's true. We actually don't talk about it yeah. at all. <laughs> Still don't understand how John Voight winks yeah. <laughs> as he's expelled from the snake at the end. And I don't understand why, because he's just been crushed and, and half digested and he's like... science, mate. Yeah, it's because he's a Republican. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, uh, you know, Lake Placid. Crocodiles. Oh, I actually quite like Placid. There was a time okay. when crocodiles were a big thing. But, yeah. you know, I, I suppose how I wanted to end the show today was... I don't think that's enough anymore. It's not. I do think not. we need to, I think. You need more. You need Planet more. of the Apes showed me. I do want to see my monkeys with guns. Yes, I can see that, yeah. But I am going to put together the hypothesis, James, mm-hmm. that there is nothing more deadly than a chimp with a lightsaber. <laughs> now, I thought this through. Yes, talk to me. I want to see signs here, mate. Lightsaber falls on the floor. Let's say Luke's just thrown it behind him. Yes. Beginning of uh, La- uh, Last Jedi, whatever that one was. He dies at the end of Last Jedi. It's it's there. It's on the floor. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's the Ryan Johnson one. You know, Ray gives him the lightsaber. He's like, cheers, throws it behind him. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. You, you know. Not in the mood. Falls into a pit of chimps. Yeah. Now I'm going to say that the first one that picks it up. Yeah. Probably going to mortally wound itself. They do have to kill themselves. It goes straight through them comically. 
Yeah, you know, they pick it up. They, now, as do you, does he does he then disappear into the force a short later? <laughs> well, right at the end, you've my, got, my you've got Ray is, and she's like all of these people. You know, at the end when all the Jedi talk monkey. to her, and it's just the monkey going. <laughs> she's like, what I, the fuck? I think a force ghost monkey would work, but I'm all for it. I think after the first one's mauled itself, the wiser one, yes, who's learned because mm. they quit these monkeys, mate thinks, okay, as long as you don't point at yourself. Now, because of the fun... Yes. Yeah. We we don't know what would have happened if King Louis got fire. But I think we can all agree that if a monkey got his hands on a lightsaber, it wouldn't, we we're fucked. Yeah, we I don't know if there's anything... I don't even think it would start off small either. It'd be no, like, it'd it'd straight just, to the top. It's great, you yeah, kill someone. On. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like, no, you're done. Um, everyone on the island to begin with, Chewbacca, Luke, Ray, they've all gone. They're all gone. Because this chimp's got itself a lightsaber. I was trying to figure something that would beat that in a, in, in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, okay. But, you know, I, I, I think we never got sharks with laser beams. We never got sharks with laser beams or maybe some sort of elephant with Robocop armor. Yeah. It's probably for the best though, isn't it? Yeah. We, we didn't get too much of that. <laughs> but I don't I don't think there's I don't think you can give me any beast with movie technology yeah. weaponry okay. that's gonna outdo my chimp with a lightsaber. Oh actually you know what get the listeners in. Can you can you think of one? Because it's all about the thumbs. It is all about the thumbs. I, I feel like I need them phalanges to make this work. Octopus with a minigun. <laughs> See, I, I, this is what I knew about you, James. I knew you'd go straight for something that needs to be reloaded. Point now, you could have given me got f- it. Fox with a bow and arrow, mate. I've got it. I've got it. I've got you beat. <laughs> you just say fox with a bow and arrow, yeah. That sexy fox from Robin Hood. I'm the, still gonna Disney get, film. I'm gonna keep it on point with an octopus, big octopus, yeah. The one ring, boom. So, you're telling me an octopus puts the ring on, yeah, goes invisible, goes after element of surprise, mate, suffocates the monkey in its sleep. Then I'm telling you now, octopus with the one ring of power and a lightsaber still got six of the arms, mate. Well, let me do the maths. <laughs> One's got the ring. <laughs> just saying, I'm just saying, mate. That's that's your winner. I'm just saying though that when I saw Frodo slip his finger in the ring, yeah, I didn't think he's going to take. Hold on, on. an octopus well, could get his tentacle through that. Yeah, but I'm just saying he didn't fully use the power of the one ring. You know, with all his evil and malice, mm. and he just uses it to hide from people. The octopus would be like, I'm coming for you. So when <gasps> you say that, it, I envision giant squid, but now you're talking about just a regular size octopus. No, now, how would true. it get on land? I've actually just realised as well that the ring wants to be found, so the octopus would be destroyed, and then Sauron would end up with the one ring and the lightsaber, and still have an army of orcs. But also, I was, I was ruling out any sea-based creature anywhere because my monkey's on dry land, mate. How's he going to breathe? How's your monkey going to fix global warming? <laughs> sea levels are rising, mate. He's a Sith, mate. He doesn't need it. He's, he's to destroy the world. Got it. Fishman from Warworld. Harpoon gum. Kevin Costner and the harpoon gum. He's got one shot though, hasn't he? Yeah, he's got one. Do you want, mate? I can't beat it. I don't think he's, he can. I think, can. I think I've, I think I've created something as, Mythical, no, but also is grounded in in reality and it and is concrete. Like there's no dispute in it. I'm not going to get any flat earthers telling me, you yeah. know, anything of it. Then a chimp with a lightsaber is the most deadliest animal. I can't. I came with an octopus. I feel like you've. I feel like you've beaten the octopus down. Won't be the first time. It won't be. Cat with a flamethrower. Which cat? 
Jared Lowe. If it's Puss in Boots, maybe. But no, not if it's Jared Lowe. He didn't, wasn't, he didn't even go on to play Cat. That's what I mind. Mm. You know, if he had the balls to be in Cats and showed up as Cats, I'd respect him more. But Jared Lowe would get all meta, wouldn't he? he, he would, <laughs> Jared Lowe did that to promote something like feline pregnancy awareness. I think it's just because the designer they were celebrating at the Met Gala liked Cats. And I mean, why don't you just get on your knees and open your mouth now, Jared Lowe? <laughs> just, just, just suck like that tea, mate. <laughs> That's our show for this week. Let us know if you've seen Beast, if you've seen uh, Daisy Jones and the Six Wednesday. Oh. Let us know if you've seen Nope, the Jordan Peele movie, or The Forgiven, or let us know if you know anything deadlier, stronger, more deadly than a chin with a lightsaber. That's been our show for this week. If you don't see it later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.